You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, and in the same room with me, none other than Cliffy D. Hey, it's nice to meet you. Great seeing you as well. <laughs> um, it's the bye week, and it's something we had talked about doing. Uh, I think you made the suggestion, actually. Was it you made the suggestion a couple weeks back? I did. I know we had talked about doing an off-season um, watch party. Uh, I think it was two years back I think our first season uh, being with the podcast and we were thinking you know there really isn't that much news that came up for the Alouettes this week so we're going to do our watch party this week for uh, for the Alouettes special edition of CFL Traditions uh, circa, ni- uh, circa 2002 uh, done by the uh, do you remember Network, this the network network. I don't have no clue who this is anymore. Oh gosh, we're going way back with this one. I know, I know. Um, so what we're going to do is it's just a it's a watch along. You can watch along with us. Uh, if you have it, uh, go ahead and plug it in, and we'll say when we're going to hit start. Uh, the only thing is that I've noticed, and I don't know if you did, Cliff, that the YouTube version is actually you know sometimes when you watch something that it didn't code properly the codec didn't work properly and you put it on youtube that you that you uh that you have ripped and you put something up it's a little bit faster a little bit yeah that's what it is on youtube okay so, so again i i still hope that folks are going to consider participating in, in this it's a please yes a little bit of uncharted territory for us as well this is our first time doing something like this so we're kind of curious to see how you the listeners will react to it as well i mean i don't want just to be us watching a DVD and then you listening to us but uh, I want this to be sort of an inter- interactive kind of thing so listening I'm... to us watch the DVD <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> so here's hoping that uh, this ends up being an interesting thing and if you folks have never seen this uh, DVD mm. I mean this is going back like I said 2002 was when it first came out and uh, most CFL fans would probably seen this entire series uh, or at least seen the DVD at least of the Alouettes one so it's uh It'll be an interesting uh, trip down memory lane, if you will. And it's way before the the current incarnation of uh, what were the CFL ones that they did? That whole series, um, uh, engraved on a engraved nation. on a nation. Uh, that originally started off as a CFL series, but then they, you know, they, it it's become like yeah. their thirty for thirty for uh, for TSN. Exactly, exactly. So um, it is still available on Amazon. Last time I checked. Or you can find it on eBay. Uh, yeah, or on eBay. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, it it one was done for every city. Mm-hmm. Um, they even did one was Ottawa around at that time, two thousand two, the Renegades. Yes. yes, they did do one. Yeah, it focused more on the Rough Riders past, but uh, and I think there was like a little splash of stuff to do with the Ottawa Renegades, which for you newer fans, that's what the Red Blacks used to be, so to speak. Back in the day, it was uh, the Ottawa Rough Riders. Yeah, which ended up folding and then they came back as the Ottawa Renegades and now we're back to uh, the R theme once again with the Ottawa Red Blacks yes and they Ottawa had that primary logo which depending on how you looked at it either looked like a lumberjack or it looked like a beaver mm-hmm. so and if people are like what are you talking about Tim it's one of those optical illusions that unfortunately that once you see it You'll you'll never forget it. Yeah. You'll always see it. Yeah, you can't unsee it. Exactly. You can't unsee it. So it's luckily it's one of those things that doesn't really sear into your eyes that badly. So um and then afterwards what we'll do is we'll uh we'll talk a little bit about the game coming up this week versus the Ottawa uh I'll say the Renegades. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Ottawa Red Blacks. And uh we'll go from there because I know Cliff you were on uh you were on uh, the Mouchoir podcast today, and uh, make sure everybody gives them a listen. Absolutely. You don't hear what you said. So so without further adieu, hit 
play here on a second. It is playing now. What do you think? This doesn't really show. You know how early this the warning that showed up on these things before oh, then. Oh yeah, like I, I guarantee, you, like especially now if, if you if you kids are just listening, watch and when you watch movies via Netflix, you don't get to see these sort of uh, warnings about not uh, dubbing or uh, making copies of copyrighted movies. Uh, I'm sure nobody. It's, it, it's one of the things I think it actually does show now too on a lot of the DVDs and Blu-ray. It does show you just can't skip it. Right. You used to be able to skip it, but I guess if you, if you, you know, if you're able to, uh, if it's already been burned, I'm sure it can be. Mm-hmm. So Video Services Corp. established 1993, the logo pops up, and this new network, network, <laughs> <laughs> network, network, done by network. Okay, so I have, that was just the beginning, so I'm going to, we're going to do the, play the Alouettes, uh, can we do all at once here? Uh, play Alouette's show not the origin show original what is this special features Ooh. Uh, play Alouette's show play origin show I don't remember do you I like I said it's been a long time yeah. since I've seen this so uh... let me go play Alouette's show and let's see what it shows us no pun intended. Canadian football yeah, here we go. is a magic show. A century-old spectacle. Grown men battling to cross a line drawn in the dirt. It is a game filled with heroes. Great players and great teams. Bringing championship pride to their faith. It's weird. We, seeing this old footage is crazy. Hey, I know it's just the beginning of the after show itself, but there's the mud bowl. And, it is a game yep. that has grabbed the nation by the heart. An annual struggle becomes an epic battle as teams fight for the ultimate glory. The chance to hold the breakup and become forever known as a champion. I'm taking a good picture of the breakup there now. Oh yeah. This compared to what it was, it's crazy. There was a time when the the Grey Cup was not the giant trophy that you see nowadays. It really was just like a almost I'd say like a bowling trophy. Yeah. Something yeah. handheld, like literally handheld. Executive producers Derek Murphy and John N. Hamilton. Uh, this, this, the color foot, the color stuff that they got in this is amazing. I mean, I love seeing the, the black and white stuff, but seeing the color, it's just stunning because it's you know, a lot. Some of the stuff that you see on YouTube of the old shows from CBC, they're all in black and white. It's true. So, all right. Turn of a champion, the Montreal Alouettes. In the city of Montreal, in the mid 18th. Is that the old port? Was on the campus of McGill no. University. No, it's McGill. Canadian football. It not look like McGill. I guess. Before the century was through, the game had moved from the campus and into towns and cities across. Oh, the that's the Wing Wheelers. That has to be what it was. Right. Life embraced this great new game. And ever-growing crowds made heroes of the men and boys who took to the field. In 1931, quarterback Warren Stevens made football history when he threw the first touchdown pass in a Grey Cup game, as he led Montreal to a 22 to nothing victory. It seems so hard to believe. Time. Only back then, well, he threw the first touchdown pass. The city had already seen more than a few football teams come and go. Was that just a pass like that? And when they first won the Grey Cup in 1931, they were known as the Winged Wheelers. Greg Fulton, a lot of people know him, especially his name and what he's done and being able to show what he knows about CFL football. I'm just thinking, probably 20 years when we see documentaries like this, will probably be our friend Steve Daniel who will be yeah. in that spot. Yeah. That's a that's, that's personal Molson. I'm not mistaken. Now, is that personal Molson? That's Toronto. That's that. That's, that's great. Yeah. What a shot! Alouettes in all red. I don't think I ever see the Alouettes in all red uniforms. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I bitched earlier in the season about you know the Alouettes going monochrome blue, which looks good, but that's completely different. Yeah. And Montreal loved the Alouettes. We were, I guess. 
almost the team of the city. We, we certainly pushed the... Per Capozzi? The for... 1953 to 55? The, the team of choice. We were a team that had tremendous support. Got us all yellow uniforms. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I was impressed with the nightlife. Eagle Keys. I was impressed with the daylight. But, uh, 1949. And, uh, Look at this. Okay, I don't know if you noticed that at all. Something I noticed about it for the last time I watched it, watched this thing. The Alouettes are, they were wearing, look at this, look, white pants, Alouettes and a gray top. I've never noticed that. I mean, that's what I love about this thing. That's crazy. Never thought I'd see it. When I remember seeing that, it blew my mind to knowing that, that the Alouettes at one point, you know, we talk about it. You know, uniforms are made for TV these days. Ah, uh, Sam Echeverry. The, the original Alouette's quarterback legend. Yes. And especially Montreal. And so I went to them and asked them questions about the Canadian football game. In Montreal, Echeverry learned the Canadian game from Douglas P. Head Walker, a coach who did things his own way. They call him. Did they hear the P. Head Walker? P. Head Walker. P. Head Walker put the plays in on the training camp and we ran them every day. Yeah, they were in the great tops there too. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. Because again, the the red look, like the red jersey, was the, the iconic one. The one they made the uh, yeah, the uh, what do you call the retro uniform? Yeah. I never knew. I never knew that they had had that. I'm, I'm going to digress and get away from it. But I, I never. That would be a great retro throwback. That would be really cool. That actually might go well with the blue pants. Possibly. Thing is, so you'd have to keep the the new helmet. Yeah, 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 with the new rules and stuff like that. Only one helmet. Yep. Dave, wow, Dave Cutler, man. All of a sudden, I throw this ball and it actually worked. And he's walking away, and these guys say, "Do you know what that was?" And they said, "That was Sam Echeverry." And I swear to God, that's the instant that I had to play this game. In 1954, to complement a magic arm, the Alouettes found a pair of magic hands. Prince Hal Patterson. Hal Patterson. I thought Hal Patterson was one of the greatest football players I've ever seen. You know, in pure talent. We'd go on the field and Patterson would go out there and we wouldn't see him until the end of the game because he was on all the teams. Offense, George defense, Mercado, turns, 1956 Alouette. Whatever you mm -hmm. had, punting team, punt cover. He was an outstanding receiver. Now, what do you think about a receiver wearing 75 and a quarterback wearing 92? I know. I know. Before they did Jackie Parker there, before they started putting limits on what the numbers were, I mean, it's... It was a free-for-all. It was whatever the coach gave you. Still is, for the most part, but now you have to follow certain rules as far as the numbers go. I'm sorry. Damn, I love those great jerseys. <laughs> First commercial break. Yeah. In 1954, the Alouettes laid waste to the Eastern Conference. It, 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 it's funny how good this team was almost out of the gate. Yep. From 46 on. Starting in 46, and then you go and you win the Grey Cup almost three years later. That's very reminiscent, again, of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah. That always sort of attracts some attention. And now this is this is where it comes. What, what, what's with the the helmet there for Normie Kwan? The, the face mask. It was see through. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. The jump. The jump pass. That's different. And this is where, obviously, this is where the Edmonton uh, Montreal rivalry started. Yeah. One of the first controversies, I guess we could say, in Grey Cup history? I'd say it would be up there. Where? Yeah. 
the game wasn't lost, but stolen. I will always say that uh, it was not a fumble. It was an illegal forward pass, and uh, I'll play that for the rest of my life. I still, to this day, maintain that that was not a fumble, but a forward pass, and that uh, uh, it should have been called back. And uh, it, Yeah, kind of looked like a forward pass yeah, to me. Yeah. He didn't go backwards with it. And of course, back in the 50s, they obviously did not have instant replays. No, so. no. So here's the rematch. Edmonton with their gold helmets. Yep. It was Edmonton that put the points on the board as they recorded a 34-19 victory. Yeah, they just dominated the Alouettes there. for over 500 yards in that game. And yet they lost the game That's the thing. The the throw for 500 yards in a championship game. Only scored 19 back. points. Big and again, lose. And to lose, yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We could score very quickly when we had the ball. But against Edmonton, they were a control type uh, offense. And uh, they rolled the ball on the ground, they throw little short passes, and they maintained possession. 1956 brought a third consecutive. Here we go, third straight, 1956. But this time, it was no contest. Although Echeverry continued to rack up the yardage, the Eskimos' defense never faltered. A 50-27 victory. Those red helmets, man. The Eskimos, the Is it, you know, when the Calgary comes in... Unable to recover from three consecutive Grey Cup losses. There's the Grey helmet, the Grey jerseys again. And now this is the time where the Owls have their first uh, struggle as a team. Yeah. I'm a free agent. I have a no cut contract, and you just violated my contract. Oh, because they traded him. Of course, they didn't fight it, and so I signed with the Cardinals. Yep, that's when yeah, that's when tough times and the uh, the wings were born on the helmet. Yep. In 1970, management made an attempt to recapture the team's past glory and enlisted Sam Echeverry as the Owls' yep. head coach. Sam Echeverry is their head coach. Proved to be the right choice as he led the third place French horn helmets and green jerseys. It's hard to believe, but yes, the Montreal Alouettes once upon a time didn't have green in their uniform. Peter Delariva. Oh. Uh, made, made me wonder if we were to play this for him again, what his reaction would be to see him almost 20 years ago. We came together and because one thing we did, he can still tell his stories. There's a couple times that we've spoken with him. That, yeah, the man. Yes, we can talk, but man, he can just stories. Oh, absolutely. For days, for days. And the horrible field conditions. Well, depending on how this watch along works, uh, we'll have to invite him for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up playing each other, maybe for the first time, I don't know. But um, the turf was very poor and very loose. And, uh, oh, man. Oh, man. You, uh, take a, take a Toronto FC fans would have a <laughs> Looking at this this muddy, torn up field. How long do you think it took for them? Because, you know, they had all nine teams talking about all these different things and getting people. They had to have talking points, I'm sure. That they would ask somebody about, and they would be able to use their clip for this type of thing. Well, Wade's game was without the flash oh, yeah. of Sam the Rifle Echeverry's aerial assault. His short passing, ball control game accomplished what the airborne owls of the 50s had never done. Montreal won the Muds Batted Final 23 10, and Sam Echeverry had as a coach there go. what had eluded him three times as a player a Grey Cup championship. Yeah. Ah, the Delta. As a coach, Sam great, great picture. I love this. Yeah. And the rifle resigned after the 1972 season. His replacement, Marv Levy. Marv, Marv Levy. Who's that? Approach, one uh, name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Marv Levy got here. He is like he knew what it took to win. Great to see. He provided us the late Tony Prophet. The late great Tony Prophet. Yeah, Prophet. great to see him in this. What he was going to do and what was important, how to get it done. I don't know if coaches didn't do that before, but uh, history has shown that he had the right answers. Marv, yeah, took Marv knew what to do, man. In a room, he said, "If you guys play hard, you'll play here." The as Delta, as you Larry want. Smith. Well, no one ever Senator Larry Smith. Now, yeah. To me, so as a youngster, you could imagine how euphoric I really was. But uh, Marv created trust, and we all trusted Marv, 
we all played hard for Mark. He changed a lot, a lot of things about Wally. He did things. Mark <laughs> Wally Bono. Well That's right, BC Lions fans. Yeah, there was once upon a time Wally Bono was a Montreal guy. Nine seasons, ten seasons, seventy-two to eighty-one. Scouting system in the states, and you know, eventually brought some very, very good players. One of the greatest to don an That was. What, what do you think about that? About the, the Delta logo being right on the smack in front of the of the helmet, the numbers on the side. Well, you think about how the the helmet looks nowadays, where the logo is sort of laid upon I wonder if that's sort of like a predecessor I wonder if that was sort of in the mindset when you see that Delta logo kind of right in the middle yeah I wonder if that sort of played into the idea of how they put the logo on nowadays yeah Dickie Harris you talking about Billy White shoes they're talking about no uh, Johnny Rogers sorry Johnny Rogers Johnny Rogers yes here he goes the ordinary superstar one thing you notice by the way there's, that was, I think, at, that was at the Autostad. It looked like nobody in the crowd, at least from what I saw. In 1974, Rogers sparked the Alouettes to another Grey Cup meeting with the Eskimos in rain-swept Vancouver, where history made them underdogs. We had a good veteran team that had, you know, kind of grown up together uh, under Marv Lee, and uh, you know, when we went to the game, uh, we were, I guess, lucky to be here. And uh, you know, but we, in our own minds. I'd love to see them up, update this. Hey, Marv, wipe your nose out. Uh, I'd love to, to see them update this. After yeah, almost 20 years. We played the old PNA Stadium, Empire Stadium out there, and it was poured rain. Poured rain. If you fell and slid on your back, you'd go 20 yards. It was really. There you go, slide! Despite the slippery turf, Don Sweet was the hero of the day as he kicked a record four field goals in a 20-7 Back then, four field goals is a record in a Grey Cup. Celebrated a Grey Cup victory. The following season, the Owls again faced the Eskimos in the Grey Cup game in a numbing Calgary About to say bitter cold. Kicker Don Sweet learned how fleeting fame can be. We were in a dogfight out in Calgary, probably the coldest game I've ever played in. 30 mile an hour winds, minus 10 and 15. It was unbelievable how cold it was. We had played a great defensive game, and it was 9-7. Oh. A minute to go in the game. Oh. A deep pass from quarterback Sonny Wade put Montreal in the scoring position. With the ball in the Edmonton 11-yard line, the ever-reliable Don Sweet yeah. held in for the game-winning field goal. But as the Damon Duval, anybody? Mishandled snap changed the outcome. Oh. Wow. He got it down, though. Barely. But a foot wide. And I watched, and there was dead silence. Dead silence. We, we just didn't say a thing on the bench. Not a thing. But we can't believe that that just happened. Yeah. And and within about five seconds, you realize that that is the game. It's 9-8. Yeah. It's lost. So, so the Owls have had, had their own, their share of botched snaps to lose a game. And this this was one of them. Yeah. I'll take one or two plays to go a different way. Yeah. In 1976, the team moved into Olympic Stadium. The big o. Look at the crowds for the first season of the Big O. Yep. We average over 50,000 people a game. Absolutely yeah. nuts. So Averaging over 50,000 people that first season. For a regular season game, no less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a Greek Cup, but yeah. a regular and, season and not game. And not a finale or a playoff game either, like what was happening a few, years, few years back. Because it's got so much concrete and whatever, but I tell you what, when it's packed with 60,000 people, it's it's a pretty warm place. Mm -hmm. It was the Alouettes and Eskimos again in the 77 Grey Cup. Oh, 77 Grey Cup. Esk fans, I'm sure you are going to remember this quite well. <laughs> and not just because of the temperature. Not because of the temperature, not because of the transit strike, not because it's a... Yes, because it's a Grey Cup. But just because of a particular tool. I, I didn't even know, I forgot Cal Murphy was an assistant coach for Montreal in 77. Yep. When I went to the locker room that day of the game, I thought I was in a shoemaker store. All week long, we had been struggling with footwear because of the ice and everything. We tried a number of things, and it wasn't. One thing I've noticed listening to Proudfoot talk: prototypical Canadian accent. Yeah, absolutely. Just that's what I could use. It did give you traction, but I think what it gave us wow. was a sense of confidence that uh, we had our footing. 
and it was a hell of an experience. Again, it was so. And crazy. what's funny is this ice, so you know, the ice bowl here, the what they used, and the complaints that were given out for last year's Great Cup, just a couple of slip, slippery spots. Yeah. What would forever be known as the Staple Gun Game. Staple Gun Game, Ice Bowl. Last Great Cup for Montreal. <laughs> yeah, those coaches, the jackets, amazing. Yeah. Just uh, the Montreal thing across the way like that. Joe Scanella took over head coaching duties. There you go, rough times are coming. Despite reaching the next two Grey Cup games, questionable management decisions and changes in ownership. Questionable management decisions and, and, and ownership. Hmm. Huh. Can't imagine what that's like. No, no, no. franchise started in the wrong direction. Not today. Not 96. And, you know, once... Current situation. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, man, I'm drawing a blank here. And, but we're not blasting the Wetnalls. We're saying just the current, the way it, with the CFL owning the team. And again, it just comes. It just speaks to the example of those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Right. Even even with Marv Levy coming back, didn't help. You know, we name of the Concords. Suddenly, a team in search of a home, but nothing more than. And I can admit, you know what? We were talking about it before. With Jim Spiros you know, I've been and Michael Gelfand. You know, as much as uh, uh, the late Don. great Don Matthews, the Don, the Don. You know, we. If it wasn't for them, we would not have had a team. Even though they only had a team for one year. Yep. Thank God for the wet and alls. Um, coming to the Big O was probably one of the, you know, was it probably questionable? I didn't think Montreal was a viable market. And uh, all of a sudden, because of a rock concert that was taking place in the Big O. In 1997, obviously, the big thing is thank you to you two. If it wasn't for you two. Look at these pictures, man. Oh, look at this in Molson. Oh, my God. Have you forgotten what Molson looked like? Oh, I, I, I don't know if it was forgotten or just tried not to remember. I wanted to see the tree. Everybody talked about the tree on the south, the, the south stands. Yes. Literally growing, like a, a bonafide tree growing in the stands. It was just remarkable. Thomas Haskins. The downtown core of people embraced the team. They started. Yeah, coming to Percival Molson. It holds 20,000 and we now is a saving grace. A you know, everybody may not know about the team moving from the Delormier to the Autostad to the Big O to John Wells, man. I've been God. Wow. <laughs> no, one thing I'm very surprised about, I understand there's so many historians. Sometimes you'll bring in a... a where's her? I'm very surprised they didn't ask her to do this. Faced their number one rival, the Eskimos. MVP quarterback Anthony AC. Powerful passing game. First year that the, uh, they went to the uh, uh, they went to the new uh, slanted logo and Pat Woodcock and capture the hearts of sports fans throughout the province of Quebec. You talk about a redemption story for it. AC. The yeah. Fans deserved yeah. it. The team deserved it. The players, coaches, everybody. But the city of Montreal. And it was tough. I mean, yeah. Back. I've always said, and I've said, you know, that, by the way, that was, that was crazy. crazy. I was there yeah. for that parade. Absolutely bonkers. 250,000 people lined the streets to watch our parade. It was like something I have never witnessed in my life. The, and the message that the Quebec people were giving us was, Thank you. Thank you for bringing the cup back to Montreal. Yes. So, and obviously they don't go through the turmoil that we've had now. Right. And it's pretty much an abridged history of the team. It really is. Like, I guess they, within 22 minutes, there's only so much you can do. So, by the network, network. <laughs> Association with uh, AS, uh, ESPN Classic. 
2003. Not 2002, 2003. Okay. So, what was your... What's your thought on this? I mean, it's been a while. I'm sure. I don't, I don't know how long since you actually sat down and watched this thing. I said it's an abridged version. Mm-hmm. It's great seeing color footage of some of these things that you know. Every, you know, I'm a, I'm a uni guy. I love uniforms, stuff like that. And just seeing that, I remember the reaction when I first saw it again after totally forgetting about it. it was like gray jerseys. That kind of works. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's really interesting to see. Just as you said, it's an abridged history of the Alouettes. Uh, definitely a great way for I would find for fans that want to get sort of up to speed a little bit as to what's going on or how this team started and where they've come. Yeah, I mean, again, there's still another two decades to go as far as continuing the history. There's still stuff that hadn't been covered, but again, when this came out in 2002, 2003, that's yeah. what it was. So. Uh, same, same as you though I, I'm blown away just because I remember etched in my head I see these iconic red uniforms of the of the uh, like late 40s early 50s and monochrome monochrome red yeah. unis yeah like that that was surprising to see because I just remember the jerseys but not necessarily the rest and then to see actual light gray jerseys as like the the road uniform so to speak yeah like that's that's really cool and it's true they don't you know they stopped from 2002 uh, 2003 don't get to go through our back-to-backs um you know in our run of the east you know how dominant the owls were mm-hmm. um but maybe it's something that that the the team once everything is i mean if you think about it, if look at who our possible ownership group could be you know That's a guy true. who is uh, the writer who is written uh, uh, TV shows that a lot of us know about may not have watched but we know about mm-hmm. maybe we need there has you know, I mean there's been an Alowitz history book written in French mm-hmm. um, maybe it's time to do another history of thing is though if it's coming from the team my concern is they probably want to whitewash as much as possible some of the the downtimes that we've been experiencing over the past couple of years Right, like how do you gloss that over like just sort of you have to acknowledge it happened unfortunately especially if you want to stay true to the path that we're on right now yeah yeah but uh, I mean like obviously you want to focus on the good stuff like back to back championships like that's pretty impressive yeah like that was a, a powerhouse team in 2008 2009 2010 but uh, to go in, from that into sort of the downward spiral that we've had over the past I'd say four or five years like, again, if if anyone could do it, it would probably be someone like the Lenkoff brothers. Yeah. With their Hollywood experience. Like yeah. If you can find someone to sort of, I don't say glamorize it, but sort of, I guess, highlight, ex- accentuate things in a positive light, who better to do it than Hollywood, quite frankly? But it, that's the thing, though. You, I, you know, this was a Canadian thing, you know, Canadian made. Um, I think. I would love to see it, but you also say something that who else could do it but Hollywood? You know, we've seen all those different, you know, uh, We Are Marshall. Uh, uh, remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. Uh, 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 Friday Night Lights. Um, this, uh, any Given Sunday. Mm-hmm. It is very glamorized. But it, some of it shows the good side. Some of it shows the bad side. I don't know. I would want to have something locally done where it can be done. Uh, you could throw in uh, not only the English uh, interviews, but you could also do the French interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... Uh, do I think it's going to happen? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it will, but um, it's it, it's a nice thought to, to think of being able to redo this and and see what... You know, see what they would be able to... Uh, uh, It'd be able to tell us, basically, what if they what what more they would be able to tell us. Um, so I don't know. I um. So what? I mean, do you guys like this type of thing that we did? I mean, it's it's slightly different. Um, I, I, we're hoping that the some of the video came through and you'd be able to see what we were what we were talking about. Um, 
If you like it, if you don't like it, we do want to know. Let us know on social media. Uh, we Our best place is over at Alouette's FL Deck. Um, or you can at myself at Repact, R-E-P-P-A-C-T, or Cliff at Cliffy D. Uh, also, do not forget, you can find the archive for the Alouette's Flight Deck uh, over at www.alouettesflightdeck.ca. Or you can head over to Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Um, it's different. This, this was different. It's. I think it's probably the best. It was the best week. I think to do it. I mean, it's very. I said we usually hear something, but usually like the great comments, like a bubble of silence. Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny because the Alouettes are going again. Went into this bye week probably the. I, I'm. I'm leery of seeing the hottest they've been in a long time, but you can't deny the fact that a three-game winning streak and beating some very good teams in the process, if that's not a great show of momentum, then yeah. I don't know what is. And, gosh, like it's so weird to think that the Alouettes go into a bye week and nothing crazy's happened. Like, yeah. there, there's been little to no news. <laughs> Oh, we did find out today that, hey, Fred, uh, thanks to Cam and the guys over at the boutique, we got our mini helmets! <laughs> that, that is true. That is some news. We've got mini helmets going on. Uh, I mean, the rest of the league's producing all kinds of news, but... Uh, yeah, I know. And uh, all of a sudden, the same people that were calling Yellowettes a tire fire or dumpster fire or train wreck or whatever expression you want to use, now those same people are taking a look at Taking a look at the entire CFL East, and now they're saying, guys, Montreal could possibly run away with this. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you're on board with that sentiment exactly, Tim, but I take a look at this team right now as it sits, and I can't say 100% that they're going to run away with things, but it's hard to deny that things have now kind of shifted a little bit more in Montreal's favor, especially when you take into account that Jeremiah Masoli, quarterback yeah. for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, tore his ACL on a non-contact injury. That was brutal. That absolutely brutal. Absolutely sucks for for the oh, league. Oh, it does. It does. The league as a whole, definitely it sucks for, for if you're a Hamilton Tiger Cats fan because a lot of people, like all the experts, all the pundits, everything, that were predicting yeah. that Hamilton was going to run away with the East because yeah. all the other teams were just complete garbage allegedly but now all of a sudden you've got an upstart Montreal team that's seemingly found their way despite losing their head coach and general manager early on Uh, now you've been dealt this blow with the the Tiger Cats losing their star quarterback and God only knows how they're going to be able to recover Uh, you've got Ottawa that's really in I I won't say disarray but they're really having a hard time trying to find their, their footing so to speak and gosh, we won't even get into Toronto because yeah, yikes, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I'm not going to pile on. Is it 65 points in six games? What is it? I can't remember what it is for. Oh, something. It, it's something ridiculous in, in yeah. six games. And being shut out. I mean, like that's. Yeah, and the yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what what can you say at that point? I mean, it's it's terrible. Like I, I feel for Argos fans. It's it's not e- like they've already been dealt some pretty lousy hands, but this is just. Like, nothing... uh, I haven't seen something like this since, well, I guess last year, really. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for me, you know what? I look at them, the three and two. I'm happy where they are. I'm being cautiously optimistic. Because, as we saw just this past week with, you know, with Hamilton, things can change on a dime. Mm -hmm. Um, The plus thing for us is that I think a lot of people... We've said it, I think during the off season a few times on the pod is that uh, we think we have the, the three best quarterbacks that this team needs mm-hmm. if one happens to go down for whatever the reason as did in week one we have another one who can step in mm-hmm. and that's what's happened so and as we found out today from herb or not no uh or was yesterday that um pipkin will be the number two um uh, is he going to be number two? Is that what he, he's going to be back up either way. He's not going to start. He, no. He'll be activated. I guess he was activated, and he will he will be number two behind uh, Vernon Adams. Mm-hmm. And that's just it. I, 
I'm sure some people would say that even like Pipkin lost his starting job due to injury. Yeah, that's football. But just because he's healthy, if he's been cleared to resume uh, practice or he's cleared to go back on to the, the active roster, doesn't mean he gets his job back. No. You take a look at the work that Vernon Adams has done over the past three games alone, and there's no question, this is his team right now. And the only way he's going to lose this team is due to injury. Same as how Pipkin lost the team. It's not a knock on either individual. It's just the, that's the way football works, is you go with the hot hand. And right now, Vernon Adams is definitely the hot hand. Pipkin will get a chance to start again. I, I have no doubt in my mind about that. But right now, the way this team has responded to both Kahari Jones and Vernon Adams, you're not going to go messing with that. You're not going to put someone in just for the sake of putting in a quarterback because he's healthy again or anything like that. Like this, That's the kind of nonsense that's kind of befell the Alouettes over the past few years, especially and just with the instability at the quarterback position. Now you've got stability. You've got a head coach that knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah. You've got a quarterback that is able to take that and run with it. Literally. Run Literally. With it. And like he has made this team his own. Like this is Vernon Adams' team right now. And Vernon Adams' team, it shall stay. Until further notice. Um there was one thing I haven't listened to the entire thing. William Stanbeck was on the waggle this week. Uh haven't had a chance to listen to his interview with the guys. Uh, but if you you can listen to it, it's on it's on everywhere any any podcasts are you can find it. Um, I was looking at the line, very interesting clip for the game this week versus Ottawa. It originally, and if I'm reading this properly, I should possibly sign up for a have a sign up for a a thing here with five dimes. If I'm if I read it properly, the game started off originally with Montreal being a nine point favorite. Whoa! It's now down to six and a half. Um, if I am reading this properly, mm-hmm. so I can say it's either a nine point, either favored by nine or they're favored by six and a half. Right. So I think I think it's what it's currently. So I, I gotta look it up. And I'm pretty sure that has to do with the fact that Dominique Davis is back uh, taking QB one reps for the Red Blacks. Uh, last couple games, uh, Jonathan Jennings was in at quarterback for the Red Blacks and did not fare all that well. No. Uh, I. Again, two weeks ago in Winnipeg, uh, the Red Blacks could only manage to score one single point. That's almost as bad as being shut out, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then last week against Calgary, like they, they looked like they were going to win the game. They, uh, yeah. like both teams played yeah. absolutely terrible football, and it, it just came down to the kickers more than anything else. But then uh, Coach uh, Rick Campbell, with his uh, decision to uh, to punt or not to punt to take a sa- take a safety. take a safety rather than punt I should say uh, give, basically given the, giving better field position <laughs> effectively to uh, to Calgary yeah oh like this was a team that just couldn't help itself but like they couldn't get out of their own way and uh, man it, it really is I think it's going to make for a very interesting game on Friday because Ottawa always comes to Montreal, always a little bit pissed off, always uh-huh. with a little bit of an edge to them. Like they've got like almost like a, a little brother syndrome to Montreal. Even though the Red Blacks has been a far better team overall over the past couple of years compared to the Alouettes, right? But they still have that sort of mentality to them. And now with Montreal being a much better team, a much more improved team, uh, they're going to want to keep this momentum going. And coming in off the bye week is they've it's never been the bye weeks have never been kind to the Alouettes nope. over the past couple of years. No, nope. five right at five hundred. So I mean, this game, I, I still think Montreal will play extremely well because again they've got the pieces in place as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Ottawa's got a lot to prove, but I think it's going to be a very different contest than it was two weeks ago at or two or three weeks ago at uh, TD Place. I think we're going to see. A really interesting game. I, I think it's going to be a very competitive game too, because especially if Dominique Davis is back in the lineup, if, uh-huh. he's, if he's the starting quarterback, because yeah. the team played relatively well under him that first game at TV Place against the Alouettes, and I think he is going to want to come in and prove himself. Uh, but again, now you're walking into what potentially can be a very hostile environment, because as we've noted over the past couple of games, even though the crowd hasn't been a complete sellout. The fans that are there are engaged. They right. want to be there. They react accordingly. They react to the, the 
getting pumped up for the, the the game. The the players feed off that energy, and once again, like this Percival Molson Stadium has become a very dangerous place to come and play a football game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and this is something I, I even though our nation likes to travel and they always seem to come in and fill up our stadium as much as possible. I don't. I don't think they're going to be ready for this particular Alouettes crowd now. I think. Uh, I think the Alouettes nation is going to be taking this, uh, taking taking the stadium back, and our nation is going to have to work tw- twice as hard to be half as good. I hope. Yeah. It, it, it also weather will not be really a factor as far as heat. It must not be as hot as it was because everybody. T- I remember seeing the, the some of the quotes for last week's game. It was yes, it was brutal, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, this this game. Come, everybody, come out. We got to get more than sixteen thousand. I understand it's the end of the it's the end of the um, uh, the Quebec uh, uh, construction holiday. Mm-hmm. My, you know, a lot of people may not be back, but um, let's let's get this team to four and two, man. Four and two, and that's just it. This would be a four game winning streak. We've seen a three game winning streak before, but. It's been a long time since we've had a four-game winning streak, and that would be pretty awesome. Oh no, kidding! Uh, I mean, like this this team is rolling. Like this team, this Alouettes team, really has it together for the first time in a long time. I really get that sense that somebody knows what the hell they're doing, and they're executing their plan. There's a plan in place, and it's being executed. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a long time, that's the feeling I've gotten right now. It's just with Kahari Jones, Vernon Adams. And this defense. Can you believe this defense? Like, we were so concerned at the start of the season. And again, I, I go back to talking with uh, Mark Olivier Bruyette. Yeah. And I asked him, like, what What do you think about this, this defensive coordinator? Has no CFL experience. Hasn't been in a locker room in six years. Yeah. What's going to happen? Like, it, this is just going to add to the whole train wreck or dumpster fire thing. And I remember he told us, it can go one of two ways. That could happen. Or... He could just surprise everybody. Mm-hmm. Like no one knows how to, to plan for this guy. We don't know what he's going to bring to the table. And lo and behold, like he's enveloped himself into the CFL. Like he is learning from his players. He's learning from guys like John Bowman, Henoch Mwamba, Tommy Campbell. Yeah. Like these are battle-tested veterans that know this game inside and out, and have won championships as a result. Uh, man, and the way he has adapted to this game, Bob Slowick has really surprised a lot of people. I'm not ready to anoint him the next Noel Thorpe or anything like that. <laughs> let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here. But considering what he came into this league with, I mean, expectations were extremely low based on all that. And for him to turn in performances like what the Alouettes have been doing over the past couple of weeks has been nothing short of incredible. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give credit where it's due, and I'm, I'll happily eat my words at this point. And I know there's still a lot of racetrack left, but to see what this Alouettes defense has done... And the way they make plays happen, the way they turn over the ball, or cause the opponents to turn over the ball, it's 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 remarkable what this defense has done. I mean, yeah. on paper, we knew that this this team had potential to be something special, but now we're starting to see that come to fruition, and it's exciting. Like that's why I, this bye week has been tough for me because I know I'm worried that they're going to lose that momentum. Like they're going to sort of I don't know, just just that lose the momentum. Yeah, I, I guess that's there's nothing else to say. It's just. The, the potential is there to lose the momentum and it would just be unfortunate for that to happen so I, I sincerely hope that yeah they're rested now they've any nagging injuries hopefully have healed up a little bit yeah then we get BJ back yep having BJ Cunningham back will be definitely fantastic because uh, this so, receiving core yeah they've got some playmakers too some have stepped up too mm-hmm. some have stepped up too um we're talking about the offense. Talk a little bit about the defense. I wanted to. I don't know if anybody watched. It was, it was in our DMs. I want. I want to want to hear your your thoughts on what you wrote to uh, to Greg Reed um, because uh, uh, it was uh, it was a great conversation. And I just thought I thought you'd like to share it because it's, I thought it was I thought it was really cool. All right. Well, for those of you who don't know Greg Reed, we found him on the show last season. Uh, he's just been an outstanding, outstanding. Can we call this a rookie campaign? Because yes, he, he is, he's a rookie. I, I, I'm th- I still think he's a rookie. I, I, I would have to verify with Steve Daniel actually, because 
I am. I'm under the impression that I thought it was an X amount of games that you would be considered a rookie. Right, and I wasn't sure if Greg he played three games. Like he was, he started in the last three games of the season last year. Right, so. right. So I'm not entirely sure if that still qualifies him for rookie status for this season. But holy smokes, what a what a campaign he's had so far! And we're telling him like that's like you're killing it out there on the field, and he is so happy to be in Montreal and to be a part of this team. And I, I said to him, like, dude, I guarantee you, the way you've been killing it all season long, don't be surprised if we all of a sudden start seeing number 26 jerseys in the stands. <laughs> because, I mean, the, guy, the, we've got, the way this guy turns over the ball, like, just causes turnovers, uh, makes plays happen. He's not afraid to, you know, just lower his shoulder and take people out. Like, right. that's, it's beautiful. The, the way he, play, he plays a hard, fast game and he's still young. He still has so much football ahead of him. And just to see the way he's progressed from when he started last season to where he's at right now, to see where Greg has come, how far he's come in that much time, in, in that, not even a full year. Yeah, not even. The way he's come. And he still has so much more to go. It's just absolutely incredible. And it, I, I, again, speaking with him over the weekend, I had to had to give him, his, you know, give him his props. I had to tell him, like, dude, you're killing it out there. And... To see him re- reciprocate that, and he's just extremely excited. Like he loves playing in Montreal, he loves the vibe that's here, and he wants to bring a championship to Montreal. He wants to be yeah. a part of something special. And those are the players that you want on your team. Like if you if you're wondering whose jersey should I get, yeah, of course you're going to look at guys like Vernon Adams and William Stanback. And uh, God love him, we still are going to still see a lot of uh, Luke Bernard Jordan jerseys like the the new jerseys we'll still see his name and number on them john bowman too and these guys definitely all deserve no for consideration sure. but i tell you what folks if you're if you're thinking about the future you're thinking about players that could potentially again i don't know what's the, what the future is going to hold if greg decides he wants to stay in the cfl and still be a part of something big like what's happening here in montreal i tell you what like that's a jersey investment that you should think you should make that without even thinking twice yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously everybody. It's not. It's not just one person, but it's also nice to see and be able to 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 introduce fans to to people that whether I've heard of them originally or you you knew them before I did or that type of thing. It it just goes to show that you know the CFL it can be considered a step a stepping stone. To other leagues, but it de- it also goes to show that these guys are they're dedicated no matter what they want. They want to just ball, mm-hmm. and if they have a career here, for some of them it seems to be so be it, so be it. Mm-hmm. As long as they're able to play well, you know, and uh, uh, hopefully win championships. Mm-hmm. So one thing I always say is you can't hide talent, and it's, it's so true. And if if you got it. You're, you'll get found out. People yeah. will find out. Sure, and as we said last year, like it was only little bits here and there. Just you know, a great play here, a great defensive tackle there, interception there. That's what we saw from Reed last year. And I remember, I still remember saying to him at the, after that last game, uh, the last game of the season in Hamilton, I said, "Dude, I think you've done enough. That uh, <laughs> I, th- I think you've passed the audition. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, make sure when you come back, we expect you to go up to that next level." And you could see it in his eyes. He's like, "I'm ready. I, I want this." Yeah. And sure enough, when we saw him at camp, he, yeah. you, he knew he had to perform. He knew he had to get to that next, take that next step. Especially too, when you've got guys, as I said, like Tommy Campbell, who he's working with in the boundary, like that's his tag team partner, so to speak, yeah. right there. Uh, you've also got Taylor Loeffler, not too far from yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, Bola Combo, uh, Hinoch Mwamba, yeah. just right in front of you. Like these are high caliber players, and to be able to run with those dogs. And stay competitive and just not look out of place whatsoever, which yeah. he's done in spades. Again, that just speaks to how bad you want it and just the kind of player you are. As I said, you cannot hide talent. And Greg Reed definitely has yeah. proven himself to be an extremely talented player among several other talented players Oh, here. for sure. For sure. I mean, we were talking about people who come out of the woodwork, you know, just this year alone um, is uh, Quan Bray. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that we... They seem to step in. You know, we we lose, uh, you know, we we lose to Verposi, and Bray steps in. Yep. Um, so it's it's not necessarily about who's next, next man up, 
don't know who's next, but it's how can you complement the team? Mm-hmm. And then obviously that's just for sports in general, but for the Owls, it, it's looking good. I mean, there's some something positive we've been able to talk about for the first time in who knows how long. So <laughs> it's it's an amazing feeling, especially like going on to other podcasts and instead of people asking what the hell's wrong with the Alouettes, and now people are just asking like, could you see this coming? And I. Even uh, like I was uh, fortunate enough to be a part of the Mushwar podcast uh, this week, yeah. and that was one of the things they asked was just like, "Are you surprised at what you see with this team?" And part of me was like, "Well, in a sense, yes, but in a sense, no." Because, and I said right, right from training camp, like during the season preview, I said, "On paper, this is a very talented team. There's a lot of talent on this team." For me, it was just a matter of. How is this coaching staff going to be able to take all that talent on paper and translate it to something that you, you something tangible on the field? And it took a little while at first, and maybe it just needed the right uh, messenger, so to speak. And that's why Mike Sherman had to make way for Kahari Jones. Yeah, it just sometimes sometimes it's just something simple like that. I mean, it's, again, it's still a, a crazy move, but it's only crazy if it doesn't work and. So far, it's working. It's no, still they, crazy, they, but it, they it's... thought it was crazy when we they got they brought in Mark Tressman. Exactly, you know. So it's sometimes it takes sometimes it takes crazy. <laughs> yeah, or just or, or another way to put it would be outside the box thinking. I yeah. mean, like instead of recycling the same coaches over and over again, you bring in someone new, someone fresh. And yeah. even though Kari has been a coordinator in this in this league for a couple of years, this is his first time as a head coach. So again, try something new. See if it works. Yeah. And so far, even though, as I said, it's still very early in this league. It's hard to believe. Like the, it's A third of the season is over. But there's still a lot to go. And a lot can change, as you said, over the next six games. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything can happen, really. But, I mean, the way things are looking right now, I mean, to have that hope, to have that positive energy and feeling right now in Montreal, it's something that, as I said, been sorely lacking for a long time. And it's... It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling to know that, hey, maybe this team isn't such a, you know, dumpster fire. Such a dumpster fire, yeah. a train wreck. I mean, just there's a a lot of good that's that's here. That the, the potential for good things to happen is here. And it's just a matter of going out and doing it. Like go out, do your job. Like that's what you got to tell the players and fans too. Like you got to do your job. You got to go yeah. to the same. You got to go and support this team. It's one thing to not go and watch a losing team. I get that. But now you've got a winning team. Now you've got a team that's pretty well got it together. So there's, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, there's no excuse. Get your butt out to the stadium this yeah. Friday. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. yeah and there, there are many options, too. The Owls, Owls are promoting it and, and stuff like that. Obviously, there are five reasons to come out. And, um, but, again... Uh, you know, win or lose, this this team is better than this team is than they've been before in the past. So it's, uh, you know, just as it just I think it's just it's support time to support the team again. Um, so if we get if we get just sixteen thousand again, we just get sixteen thousand. Maybe it would just be bigger for the next home game. That's it. And again, if the Alouettes manage to get that victory against Ottawa this Friday, and if it is only sixteen thousand, hopefully everybody that's been sitting at home still on the fence. Maybe then they maybe that's what it's going to take to finally realize, oh shoot, we've got some we've got a winning sports team here. Maybe we should go out and support it. Hey, yeah. when's the next game? Oh, boom! Guess what? There's a game next Friday. There you go. Let's there go. go. Let's do that. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think about our experiment this week. Um, at least we didn't eat popcorn. Yeah, we didn't eat popcorn. <laughs> we could easily do a. We could do it with a. I guess a game on YouTube or something like that. I don't know what we would do. Uh, we should, you know, try to t- take a page from what they do over at Eskimos Empire Pod. They, they know they do t- these type of things and they live tweet them. Uh, but let us know what what you guys think. Um, as I said, it's a little bit of a slow news week, but we wanted to. It's an experiment on our part. So, um, and before we go, one thing we have to at least mention is that if you happen to be over wherever. Where you may be sitting, whether it be, and you look over near where, where I sit over in Y1, or you happen to look over uh, where Cliff, wherever he's going to be sitting, if you happen to see Cliff wearing some, a, a different color this week, well, you know what? 
you are your eyes are not deceiving you. Mr. Cliffy D done upgrade his jersey. Oh yeah. Yeah, I took the plunge, got the new jersey, uh still rocking the 50, but uh yeah, uh, I know I want to make it clear. I think we talked about with him uh, earlier this season, uh Spencer Wilson who currently wears 50 for the Alouettes. Yeah. yeah. I did tell him if you do see a, a 50 jersey, it's not necessarily a tribute. Not that I'm, you know, putting him down or anything like that, <laughs> but uh, I've been rocking the number 50 for the Alouettes for a long, long, long time, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. But if Spence wants to consider it a tribute jersey, have at it. No problems there. But uh, yeah, once again, uh, new, new jersey, new attitude. I'd like to wear my new one too. I'm looking at the weather. It's supposed to be about 29 degrees, 28, 29 degrees at kickoff. Okay. On Friday, with possible possibility of rain in the evening. So. All right. So. It can change. It can change though. But you know, we'll uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So again, let us know what you think. Um, an experiment on on our part. So uh, uh, we hope to see you guys at the stadium. If not, we will. Uh, We'll see you here next week. So for everybody here at the flight deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Take Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.